and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's get out to the zone phone, talking a little BYU football. Joining us now, of course, he joins us every week, former BYU quarterback and our good friend Tanner Mangum. What's going on, Tanner? Nothing much, Jake. Good to hear from you. Uh, Happy Monday. Hope you're doing well. Back at you, buddy. Happy Monday. Uh, you got to be smiling a little bit. Your kooks look pretty good over the weekend. You know, uh, going into that game, I was a little nervous. I think I thought it was going to be a much tougher test than it ended up being. I thought this was BYU's big chance now to, to show what they're capable of and against, a, against a, a, a worthy opponent, if you will, more worthy, worthier than the others, other teams that they faced. And, uh, and they just, I mean, took it to them. It, it was, I, was, I was frankly quite surprised uh, to see just how, from start to finish, they dominated that Boise State uh, team on, on all fronts. I, I think it was a testament to uh, BYU's uh, balance on offense and defense. Uh, you know, Boise State's offense, granted, while they didn't have uh, a uh, you know their, their starting quarterback, they couldn't get anything going, nothing. And then on the offensive side of the ball for uh, for BYU, I, I don't think it mattered who was playing quarterback for Boise State with the way that BYU was just thrashing the Boise State defense. I mean, first half, there was, you know, some uh, little, maybe not the sharpest, but, I mean, second half, they were just doing whatever they wanted. They were just firing at will, and whatever whatever they were doing was working. And uh, it was an impressive win, and not, not only just to win, but to win 51-17 to uh, to uh, 17 was just absolutely incredible. Uh, Tanner, you're from that area up there, uh, very familiar with Boise State's program. Do you recall seeing the Broncos get kicked around on their home field? And I get there weren't any fans there, but can you remember a time where they just got whooped like that on their home field? Uh, Nothing comes to my mind because Boise State has been dominant at home. I mean, they, they, I, I don't know their home record over the last 20 years, but I would venture to say that it is one of the best in the country. Um, to win on a blue is a hard thing to do. And while there weren't any fans on, on Friday night for, for BYU, to, to go in there, to, to you know, be on the road playing Boise State at home in a, in a big game like that and to win in such dominant fashion – you don't see that very often, and I know Boise State and, and the fans uh, back back home in Boise for me are are feeling it. There's a lot of pride in Boise State football. I know I talked about that last week, but Boise State is the team. There, it's it's the professional team, if you will. Uh, you see bumper stickers everywhere. You see signs and posters everywhere. Uh, there's a lot of every every fall. There's a lot of high hopes and high expectations for the Boise State football team, and so for them to get just smacked like that on their home field is is a is a disappointment for them but i think it it uh, it, it boosts it, it boosts BYU's case 
I mean, it, 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 you, you can't ask for them to do much more than that. As it, when it comes to controlling the controllables, which they can't control who was on their schedule, even though shout out to Tom Homo for even getting a schedule, they're playing the teams that are on the schedule and they're killing them. Even Boise State, who, who many thought, including myself, would be their toughest test of the year. Jake, did you see uh, Tanner's uh, tweet that he sent out that they showed on uh, on the network during that game? Uh, I know I noticed that Tanner was uh, tweeting a bunch during the game, but did did it make it onto the broadcast? <laughs> yeah, made it on the broadcast. What, what, essentially, you were singing the praises of Zach. Uh, to, to give us an idea of uh, what that is, what it is that you said in that thing. Well, if you know me, I don't tweet that often. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll see that I, I don't tweet that often. But I, uh, I, I sent out a couple of tweets at the start of the game, and then I kind of just, I just got, I just got rolling. I had all these, these, these opinions and thoughts, and I don't know. It just, it just started uh, coming out, and by the end, I, I binged. I just, I just went on a Twitter <laughs> binge. But essentially, what I was saying, the tweet that was then showed on the broadcast, which I did not expect, was from someone who played with Zach and was, yes, benched for Zach, I can say that he's really, really good. He makes difficult things look easy, and he plays with a swagger and confidence that you don't see often. I think I just quoted that word for word verbatim. Um, but my point was is that you know there's a lot of hype surrounding Zach, and a lot of people don't know whether to believe it or not. You know, Is he legit? Is it just because he's playing lesser teams? Um, is he worth this Heisman hype? Is he worth first round? Um, is he worth these first round grades that he's getting from different services? And my point was, if from me, like who, who watched him, who played with him, who you know trained with him and, and saw him every day in practice, he's really, really good. And I and I feel like I have a pretty good gauge on on quarterback play. And he he really is extremely talented. His arm talent, his yeah. Go ahead. Oh, uh, no, no, you go ahead. So, I mean, I was just saying his, his arm talent, his mind, his IQ, his ability to read defenses, um, his, his, his swagger, his confidence, his fearlessness on the field. I mean, he really is an, an, an elite prospect. But it, I always knew I, I always knew he had it in him. It was just a matter of getting the pieces around him. A quarterback, in many ways, is only as good as the support staff around him, and that comes from coaching, uh, scheme and style, and then also the, the the players around you, your offensive line, your receivers, even your defense. And so finally, in year three for Zach, those things have come together. He has a, a, a more experienced coaching staff that's made the adjustments in the scheme. Uh, he has more veteran talent around him on the offensive line and the receiving core. Um, and 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 so it, it, it's it's finally coming to light now. Like now, people are seeing what I was talking about. I mean, I even tweeted out how last year on, on this show, I was asked, who do I think has the higher ceiling or higher NFL potential between Tyler Hundley, Jordan Love, and Zach Wilson? And I, and I, I thought about it, but I ended up going with Zach because I just thought of, I, just, I was just thinking like, man, if, if, if things are falling in place, if all things are equal, if if he can get the help around him, he he does have the highest ceiling and potential. And and I have respect for for all those quarterbacks, but I just I just truly felt that that if things were um, in the right, if he if he had things lined up perfectly, then he could have the highest ceiling. And I think finally this year, 
that's coming to light and people are seeing it and people are are uh, are, are recognizing it uh, across the country. Jake, did I say uh, did I say text or did I say tweet? Did I screw that up? I don't think so, I, Gordon. I have a tendency to do that. Uh, anyway, I, I just think that's really interesting, don't you, Jake? Uh, Tanner had this this uh, inside view from the very beginning with this kid, and uh, it's interesting that you picked up on that immediately, Tanner. I, I think that's really kind of a cool thing. I think when it comes down to it, it's just I, I've seen a lot of quarterbacks, and and there are a lot of good quarterbacks, but it's you you can tell a great one when you see it and and it's it's hard to pinpoint exactly what that is but there's just a certain type of uh pop that comes when 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 they throw the ball there's a certain type of mechanic mechanical motion that they have there's a certain type of um just uh presence that they carry themselves with and then obviously quarterback place comes so uh, comes uh largely down to cerebral being able to break things down mentally uh, and, and to understand your offensive scheme and to understand complex defensive schemes. And Zach was great at that, even at 18, 19, as a true freshman, just understood the game at a very high level, understood how to watch film, and, and is a relentless worker. A lot of people uh, maybe don't understand that, but he, he works extremely hard. Uh, it's a, you know, not only is he talented, but he works hard. And so I, you know, I saw all these things. I saw this potential. It's like, dang, like this kid could be very special if he gets the pieces around him. And so I'm, I'm happy to see that those things are, are, are happening, that the, uh, the system's working for him. And, and, and I knew at halftime, when they went in on, uh, at half on Friday, I knew Zach was speaking up. I knew he was talking to the coaches, telling them, hey, let's, let's loose, open it up here. Enough quick game. Let's do some drop back, throw the ball downfield. And that's what they did. And then, then they just torched in the second half. Tanner Mangum with us, former BYU quarterback on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to ask you a little bit about Coach Roderick. And um, former players that I've talked to that have played for him always have this kind of this love for the guy. It seems like everybody I've talked to really enjoys his coaching style and playing for him. What is it about him do you think players identify with so much? I think what people identify with is his ability to be himself regardless of what else is, what, what is going on around him. And what I mean by that is he doesn't try to be uh, a people pleaser. He doesn't try to be someone he's not. He, he's pretty calm and he's pretty quiet, keeps to himself a lot, but he's – People respect that because he's he's not trying to be fake. He's not he's not trying to be in, in genuine. Like he's just he's just very real. And for me personally, I I love that. And when when he's not trying to you're not trying to be buddy buddy. You're trying to be um, over the top, making jokes or being trying to be cool or trying to be perceived as the as the fun guy. He's just chill and he's just down to earth and and himself. And then on top of that, when it comes to football, he's extremely smart. He's extremely uh, experienced. He's seen a lot. He knows um, he knows the game extremely well, and he cares about his players. He cares about his quarterbacks. He wants to see see them succeed. Um, and and just, you know, I I I was with him during a unique year where 
Um, it was his first year. I was starting, and um, you know, and, and as I mentioned earlier, was was benched. But he, you know, he treated me the same as he that he, as he treated Zach. He, he treated everyone equally. It didn't matter if you were the starter or the fourth string. He was just cool with everyone, and and I and I respected that. He's just and I, I think a lot of the coach, coaches that he works with too see that too. That he's just, um, yeah, he, he's smart, knowledgeable, but also very down to earth and just easy to, easy to get along with. Tanner, you talked about the tools that Zach Wilson has around him. As I reflect back on the great BYU teams through the years, the years they were the best when they had those receivers, those guys the quarterback could trust to catch the ball, to run the route right, to have the timing down. Uh, isn't that what we're seeing with these guys this year? And I know the loss of Matt Bushman was was big, but it seems as though these guys haven't really skipped a beat. No, I totally agree with you. But I think a lot of that has to do with going back to Coach Roderick and Coach Fessy Satake. Because in 2018, their first year, that's what they were working on. They were working on developing this group of receivers, this young and inexperienced group of receivers. And they were hard on them and were pushing them. And I know last year was the same. Uh, but they've just kept at it. And, and Fessy and A-Rod, I think, are largely – unsung uh they're, they're behind the scenes here but they deserve a lot of credit for the transformation of this offense of course uh coach grimes as the offensive coordinator will, will get a little bit more publicity but uh fessy and a-rod are, are just as involved in 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 the uh in the development of this of this group and particularly in the wide receivers because i agree with you when byu is good a lot of it has to do with their receiving core and you're seeing it this year. And I played with these guys back in 2018 with Dax, with Neil, with Gunner. And you know, they were young. They, they, had, they had talent. They had potential. Uh, but they just, man, you look at it before and after photos even. I mean, just they're, they're stronger. They're bigger. They're tougher. They're, um, you know, they, they run great routes because they're, they're, coached, they're coached tough. They make big plays. They've made some big-time catches. Um, and... And it's 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 impressive to watch. It's impressive to see this transformation. So shout out to the, the coaching staff, also to the strength and development staff, strength and conditioning staff, who uh, who also have done a lot to help transform this team. Uh, but I mean, if, if you're Zach, you gotta love having that type of talent around you. And, and and like we talked about last week, if Bushman were there, I think it'd be an even more formidable group. But but they, these guys are are uh, handling everything just fine. Last thing for me, Tanner, I want to ask you about this because you're probably one of the few people that can actually identify with this. But uh, Jack Sears, of course, goes out early in the game uh, for Boise State. Uh, and in comes, uh, what's his name, Cade Finnegan. And uh, he played all right, 15 to 2682 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. But he is a freshman coming off a mission, playing in a game he didn't expect to play in. That's got to be hard, right? You're one of the few people who can uh, talk about that from experience. <laughs> It was it was kind of weird when I saw him come in and I heard his story. He was fresh fresh off a mission in South America, kind of kind of skinny, and his helmet wasn't fitting just right. And it just totally reminded me of myself. And then all of a sudden, I look on Twitter, and and a lot of people are saying the same things. Uh, so it was, it was very very interesting to kind of uh, 
see myself in him. But that's that's a tough challenge to, to be in. I, I I know how I know what that's like. I appreciate it. Like you, just like you mentioned, uh, and and he did okay. You know, there was there were some um, some freshman mistakes. You can you can obviously tell. But he also had some 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 bright spots. And I think with some with some work and development time, uh, I think you know he'll he'll be a, a pretty good quarterback for them. He definitely has uh, good mechanics. I thought he had some good throws on the run. Um, in that first half, you know, he, he making some tough throws, uh, in which I thought might, you know, at the beginning, I thought he might be able to, to, to uh, put some pressure on the BYU defense, but the BYU defense ended up putting the pressure on him and uh, ended up really taking it to him. But it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty fun to, to see that, uh, to see him and uh, kind of the, uh, the, the similarities between our situations. But uh, fortunately for BYU, he didn't, uh, he didn't uh, end up throwing a game-winning touchdown pass to, to win the game. So. <laughs> didn't hit the hell, Mary. <laughs> no, no brag, just yeah. fact. You know, <laughs> uh, Tanner, I got uh, two things for you. The first one is uh, when BYU faces the situation where they 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 don't have a game this week, and then the following week they play North Alabama, then they don't have a game the week after that, and then they finally play San Diego State. I don't know if Tom Holmo is going to fill any of those openings. But uh, what what are they doing this week? How how difficult is that to sort of keep your focus when you know you're not playing? Well, they they've been on a roll here, and I think it's it's time that they have a little break, and it's it's going to be good for them to recover. Uh, it, it's 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 a grind. The college football season is is tough physically. A lot of guys are banged up. Uh, they're playing through little injuries and um, dealing with a lot of different nicks and knacks and things with things with you know that that uh can can build up throughout the season and so i'm sure they're happy to just rest recover uh soak in the uh the victory from from friday but then now just start looking forward to their next opponent um but, but you know these 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 bye weeks are while they can affect rhythm uh to a certain extent when they're when they're this far in the season they, i think they, they you know they appreciate this opportunity to to rest and uh, but I think man, only two more games on the schedule. It would be nice to get one more. Uh, North Alabama, obviously not going to get a lot of respect. San Diego State could have, but then lost uh, last week to San Jose State, which which hurts. I was hoping that they could um, you know provide another tough challenge as far as rankings go. But uh, man, it, it would be great for BYU to get another opponent on the schedule just just to just to help build that case uh, to continue to make that case for a new year six bowl you know who knows potential playoff spot depend, depending on how things shake out but uh but you know that's out of their control they're just going to show up and be ready to play whoever's on on the schedule uh but to answer your question they're 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 learning from from uh you know watching film but more than anything just resting and recovering and getting ready for for the next opponent the final thing tanner is uh i i know very few people who are more into uh the game the game show jeopardy than you and your family are uh we talked (laughs) about alex trebek's passing uh, during the not sports report but uh you you were really into that show what was it about that that uh, caught you grabbed you the way it did yeah, I've always been a Jeopardy guy, but that's that's because of my dad. My dad was the one who really uh, got me into it and got my 
my family into it. We just it was kind of a family thing. We just six o'clock in the evenings. Uh, we just watch Jeopardy. My dad's always been a trivia guy. Just you know, so much stuff, and um, so I guess. Uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I, I guess I inherited some of that, but uh, very, just it's it's so sad to to lose Alex Trebek, who's such a um, a fixture in in American television. I mean, that show won't be the same without him. It's it's hard to picture that show with a different host because Alex was just synonymous with Jeopardy. He he was the show in a lot of ways. And, so very, very sad to, to lose him and um, I mean, a longtime host. I mean, he's, he's the host since 1984. That's, that's as long as my older brother has been alive and, and as, as long as I've been alive. So, you know, I've never known anything, never known Jeopardy without him. But, I mean, I, what can I say? I'm, I'm not, not like a, uh, an expert, but it's just, it's just fun to, to, to learn some, uh, some useless trivia facts and, uh, you know, have some fun watching the show like that, but it'll, it'll definitely uh, be there'll definitely be a hole that uh, that that uh, now that Alex is gone. Well, Tanner, thank you very much as always for jumping on with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Nope, no problem, guys. Happy to do it. Tanner Mangum, former BYU quarterback, uh, coming on to talk about uh, the red hot BYU Cougars and uh, certainly about Zach Wilson as well. Gordon, you are such a lucky guy. Do you see that uh, that uh, Sam Darnold isn't going to play tonight for the Jets? <laughs> Gordon, uh, in our survivor pool, picked the Patriots this week over the Jets, and Sam Darnold is not going to play. Your uh, fighting mud hen, uh, uh, Joe Flacco, going to get the go for the Jets. <laughs> They've hauled Flacco out of the the uh, Watch him pull the, uh, off the win. Oh, I hope so, so much, so much. J E T S. Huge Flacco fan Jets, right now. Jets, oh, Jets, Jets. And you do still owe us an incriminating audio. We've got to figure yeah. out when we're going to record that because things got a little hectic with Football Friday, and you kind of uh, that kind of slipped on, uh, past the radar last week. So I, I did. Do I really owe an incriminating audio? Yes, I, yes, you I do. Sort of forgotten that from I, last weekend when you lost. Yeah? Oh. oh. You sure? Yeah. And I, I think we should make you do it today. I mean, you, we can wait for Austin if you really want. But I I think you need to sing the I Love L.A. Just that just singing. that part. Just that I'm part. Just I Love L.A. Just in the little tune, the Randy Newman tune. It doesn't have to be amazing. You don't have to be on pitch. You just have to sing the I Love L.A. That part. Just that tag. All right, I, I I probably do that. Okay. Well, should we get to that uh, at the end of the show, last segment? Uh, if, if if that's what you want, and Lloyd I mean, will will record it, and uh, we'll make sure Austin knows where it is. All right, I'll uh, I'll I'll pay it, man. I'm not a welcher. You're not. I I, I never thought that you were. Although you did kind of try to get out of it, just you know, sixty <laughs> seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got me there. Yeah, you do. Uh, All right. Do. Uh, drop of the day coming up next. And, and this is really cool. I saw this today, and it, and it kind of made my day. I thought it was awesome. Uh, a little Masters-related drop of the day coming up next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
If you missed yesterday's uh, sounds uh, uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it? just what I needed today. Beating this dead horse to death, as Carl Malone would say, is, is exactly what my soul needed today. It's not what I needed. I playing the same song over and over and over again. I will never pick Coldplay again, I'll tell you that. This is a different song. Come on, Gordon. It's all the same. <laughs> oh, man. All right. It's time for Drop of the Day, also known as Sounds of Various Clips. The Masters is upon us, Gordon. It's a little weird coming in November, but nonetheless, they're going to play the tournament this weekend. Are we going to, Lloyd, are we talking to Brian and Bob a little bit later on in the week? Is yes, that, we will Is be. that going down? All right. And we're doing our, our Masters giveaway with the You Win a Golf, which is pretty cool. So we're, we're blowing it out for Masters Week this week. Stay tuned for all the coverage. Bob uh, has uh, Bob has great insights. Uh, his dad, the former champion there, obviously. I guess he's still a champion. Once a champion, always a champion, right? At the Masters. What are you and, leaving uh, Brian? Brian out here? No, I was you about ready. To, no, no, I was about ready to get the Brian because <laughs> Brian has actually played that course, unlike you or me. Or by the way, have you seen some 9. of the videos of like kind of the course like today, like the cut ends of it uh -huh. there? It looks the same. Yeah, it does. It's beautiful. Uh, I feel like it's been computerized or something. I don't know. It can't be like it can't be the same. The leaves change colors, don't they? They're in Georgia? Yeah, you would think so. Wait, I'm just uh, Gordon, you're just assuming Lloyd's never played Augusta. How do you know that? I just assumed it. They don't like they don't let his ilk on the course. Jeez, man. Yeah, seriously. They don't like they don't let me on it either. They don't let Jake on it. Easy with those jokes, man. The Masters has a history. Oh, that's true. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> oh, jeez. I apologize. That's not what I'm... <laughs> uh, <laughs> whoops. No, I... <laughs> oh, I shouldn't be, should be laughing at that. That's... <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, please. <laughs> we, yeah. we need to get to Phil Mickelson. All right, Phil, if you don't follow Phil on social media, I don't know if he's on Instagram or whatever. He's on Twitter, though, and he, he's an amazing social media follow. He's just jumped into it, and he, he does everything from tips to kicking cans off people's head. I mean, he's just he's, he's actually a really entertaining follow. But he was pulling up the driveway to Augusta National, and you can see in the video, you know, he shows all the scenery and stuff. But he decides on the driveway to do about 90 seconds of story time. It's pretty cool. Driving up Magnolia Lane, it's my 28th Masters. It feels like my first. It brings out the kid in me again. Even at 50, I feel young. I can't help but remember and feel the presence of Arnold Palmer and Seve Ballesteros, two of my favorite golfers of all time. My first Masters in 91, the first person I called to play was Arnold Palmer, and what what a great experience that was, something I cherish and never forget. You've heard me tell the story on 18 where 
he grabbed me and pulled me over and said, right here's where it happened, 1961, when Chuck Cook ended up congratulating him. He had a one-shot lead, and he, sh- he said, thank you. And he said, I should have gone back and said, it's not over. And he ended up blocking a seven-iron into the bunker, blading it across the green, making double and losing to Gary Player by a shot. When I played with Seve, my first time I was 17, he was the guy I idolized growing up, and he ended up uh, playing a practice round with me in the San Diego Open. I was 17 years old, and he was so kind to me. And to have your hero treat you the way he did and to to not let you down but to be everything you hoped he would be was was something special. So I just wanted to say thank you to Seve and Arnold for, for being the great men that they were. Awesome, right? Yeah, no so doubt. cool. Yeah, and anytime anybody drives down Magnolia Lane, it reminds me of when Jack Nicholas was driving up there, and the security guard stopped him and wouldn't let him in because he didn't have his uh, placard around his neck. Didn't that happen to you once, and you berated the poor guy at the the Utah Championships, or was that something else? Was that somebody else? Uh, I never berated. Oh, that anyone. was somebody. Actually, I know who exactly who that was. That wasn't you. That was somebody in the the television profession. Ah. Uh, well, anyway, that's uh, pretty cool stuff. Hearing it from Phil. Seriously, follow him on social media if you don't. If you're a golf fan, he's he's uh, he's really really good. You know what I like about that though is it's. I mean, you, you were talking about uh, uh, Billy Casper and, and talking about Bob, but Phil's kind of of that age where he bridges the gap a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Between yeah. the the old legends and uh, and kind of the new young bucks, and uh, I think that's I think that's cool. Phil Phil seems to me like a guy who's really kind of gotten comfortable with himself as he's aged. Yes, I'll agree with that. And he can laugh at himself, and there's a, a ton of just great stories uh, about him out there. Um, well, <laughs> uh, gambling with the young kids. And some, <laughs> some legendary stories about him calling his shot and comebacks and all sorts of stuff. But You know, when I ask you this question, give me your immediate answer, okay? Uh, uh, Funyuns. The, 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 most, the most famous golfer of all time. Let's see. Don't do it, Jake. Don't do it. No, I'm I'm trying to think. No, the most don't tell famous... me Fred Funk. All right, that that would be a good one. Uh, let's see. <laughs> um, the most famous golfer of all time. Yes. Famous like the like famous professional golfer. Well, the answer is Tiger. I mean, that's more so than Jack Nicklaus. Way more. I mean, he more was so than Arnold Palmer. Way more, just because he brought so many new fans in into the game of golf. He was he was so revolutionary in that way, and and if you if you've been paying attention, golf has yet to recapture that since the Tiger, you know, heyday. So I I think you got to go with uh, with Tiger Woods. Uh, that that's a good answer, uh, but for me, uh, growing up, uh, Arnold Palmer. Probably, and I remember the first time I talked with Arnold, and then I had an opportunity to interview him. I got to admit, it was it was weird because you know, as a member of the media, you sort of get past all that. But this was early in my career, and I was down in L.A. and uh, I I got a thrill out of that. And same thing with Jack Nicholas, because those guys were so big, so dominant, so well known when I was 
when I was in my younger years that uh, it was cool to have an opportunity to talk to him. And that's why when I hear Phil talking about actually playing with those guys on the course, it's just, uh, you know, that, that that's cool. I like the way he said that. It it brings out, uh, you know, driving down that road uh, makes him feel like he did the first time he drove down there. Uh, all right, so Masters coverage, we'll have it for you all week, uh, starting with Brian Bob. When are we doing that tomorrow? Starting tomorrow there, uh, Loiter? So stay tuned for that. We'll have more coming up next. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. song thank you lloyd thank you for playing a different song finally a song that sounds different just stop it jake will you just stop this joke is getting me through the day <laughs> you needed a boost because when you started boost. the show you were dragging a little bit you i was i did and so this this bit thank you lloyd cole this bit has gotten me through the day Gordon, real quick here. Uh, we haven't talked much college basketball lately, but uh, did can you? I, can I can I interject one thing before you talk, bring that up? Yeah. Did you see what the the letter that the Notre Dame president wrote to the students after they stormed the field on Saturday? I did. I, th- I thought that was interesting because when it was happening, I thought, "What the hell's wrong with these people? What are they doing? You don't do that in a pandemic, Jake." I agreed with the school president. Now, call me whatever name you want, but that was that was totally irresponsible, I thought. Imagine that, college kids being irresponsible. Well, it seems like there were a lot of spontaneous large groups of people over the weekend, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, unfortunate. Uh, can we talk college basketball for one second? Sure. Did you see uh, that uh, the Mighty Zags, Gonzaga, number yes, one rank number in, the, one. Uh, in the AP poll? I did see it. A West Coast mm. Conference team, numero uno. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, what are you going to say? Gonzaga has built uh, a terrific program there, and this is perennial now. Yeah. I mean, when— uh, Maybe when, not always number one, but always highly ranked. You know, when you you, you possibly cheat that much, it's uh, <laughs> it, it oftentimes uh, can, can pay off, right? Who was it that we asked him uh, why BYU doesn't recruit those uh, international players like that? And they said, well, we can't afford them the way Gonzaga can. I don't know who said that, but I, uh, there may be some wisdom there. Mm-hmm. But uh, but isn't it interesting that in college basketball, and I believe it's, it's mainly because of the way that, uh, well, one, college basketball is where you don't have to have you only need one or two really good players to be really good, but the, the way the postseason works itself out, there isn't that small conference bias as much in college basketball as there is in college football. Yeah, you can prove it on the floor, you know. I mean, there's not all this. As much as I agree with you now, Jake, about college football, that uh, playing tough teams week in and week out is a much bigger challenge, a much steeper climb, and a much worthier accomplishment, is worthier a word? Anyway, uh, it's uh, in in basketball, at least the lesser teams get an opportunity to prove what they can do 
in the actual course of competition as opposed in football and so many of those teams that might might have a shot in beating some of those teams you don't know because they don't play so often uh in college basketball obviously they do have those opportunities so that's that's otherwise gonzaga probably wouldn't wouldn't be ranked as highly as they are well i I think the difference too is that you only need one or two players in 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 college basketball in college football you could have the best player in the country but if you don't have anybody else on the team you're not going to win yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, yeah. From so the, that standpoint, you can say that recruiting in college basketball is easier. However, everyone's after those top players. Right, which which leads to corruption in the sport, of course, which we've talked about so many times. <laughs> but, I mean, all Indiana State needs to do is get Larry Bird. Yeah. Right? I mean, uh-huh. Indiana State and football better have, uh, you know, a dozen Larry Birds or they're not going to be any good. Or the yeah. football equivalent of Larry. Well, usually it takes more than one, but uh, one will get you a long way. Did, did those Indiana State teams have anybody uh, outside of Larry the Legend? They, they, I, I, they, no, not really. But they had a couple other nice players, but uh, nobody obviously of that stature. Who was on uh, Buck's team that year? Were they were they good or was it all Buck? Uh, boy, who was on that team? I have to go back and review that. I had a couple of players. Yeah. I mean, but Jordan's not, NC uh, North Carolina teams were obviously awesome. Right. Uh, that was far from but, a one-man but, show. But you bring up a great point because in college basketball, how many elite players are there? Not that many. So, but in college basketball, on the other hand, these t- these programs that keep their players around for a number of years, as opposed to just the one and done situation, sometimes they they make nice pushes in the tournament later on. Yeah. All right. Well, more big show coming up straight ahead. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone.